Welcome to Literarily Wasted. My name is Talia. And I'm Christy. And it's Adam and Lucas back here. But I'm hey. about to go over to the chair. So back to Talia and, Luke and Christy. <laughs> <laughs> who is who? Nobody knows. Yay. Does everyone have their beverage? Does everyone have their book? Great. I can't tell if you answered or not, so let's just start. <laughs> um, well, I, we're talking about We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Yes. The entire book. The entire the, book. The entire yeah. book. To be fair, it is a very small book. And I think everyone will agree with me. An interesting thing is, even though this is the smallest book we have read thus far, um, there's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Hey, everybody, I'm in the chair now. <laughs> Hold on. And there's Adam. I'm Hi. Open. It's me. Hello. Welcome. Just kidding. Literarily wasted. We have always lived in the castle. Keep talking. What a book. So, as Talia was saying, small book, a lot of stuff in the book. This one, I feel like, is the most uh, scholarly, is what Christy said. I said academic. There's, there's, <laughs> just, you can analyze this book. Probably you could write a dissertation about this book. There's just so much to unpack here. I think also this book, it, people were the most polarized about it. So oh, there were a lot of people who Ooh. did not like it at all. We had some heated debate and happening in the group. It was awesome. Just a reminder, you guys, <laughs> these are discussions, not arguments. So y'all be sweet to each other. There are also a bunch of oh, people who loved it. Be excellent to each other. So, yes. so I guess what that we should cool. do. Real quick, before we get into the discussion, Matt Scalise says, says, says howdy, hey. Hey, man. Um, before we get into this discussion, and we got a lot to talk about, let's just do like our overall impressions. What did y'all think? For me, it was really hard to get into. Going from V.E. Schwab to Shirley Jackson was rough. Like the first chapter was really hard for me. But once I got used to it, I really got into it. I really enjoyed being in Mary Cat's head, and I ended up really, really liking this book. Talia. Can I? Okay. <laughs> we were honest. I just want you to know. So I had so many thoughts about this book that I was worried I was going to forget them, and I actually made myself a page of notes, which I have never done for these live streams before. <clears throat> before. Um, words are hard. Um, so I'm just going to make sure that I say this right. So I did not enjoy this story because this style is not my personal cup of tea. I become very frustrated with these types of stories because there's a lack of solid answers, which is something I crave. However, I can acknowledge that is what makes this story so fascinating. So while I, I personally didn't like it, I am still kind of obsessed with it in a weird way. I was telling Christy this is the, it's a weird comparison, but I liken it to food. Like you can go to a really nice restaurant and have the head chef make you this really well-constructed meal and you know that it's well done. I can acknowledge it, but if it's not your favorite preference of flavor, then it's just not for you. Um, that being said, I obviously still have a lot of thoughts about it, but I'll save those for later. Yeah, okay. Mer Meredith said she can't decide if I loved it or hated it. Yeah, I think a lot of people are having that. Yeah, problem. we have a lot of uh, polarizing opinions, and you know, when I started it, obviously, like we just came from vicious. But when I started it and I read the first chapter, I was like, "Oh no, 
what is this? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the first chapter, especially, like, it's just Mary Cat's journey through the village. And um, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to feel about this. And then I kept reading it, and it was this, like, morbid fascination. And I was like, I don't really care that, like, not a lot is really happening sometimes. But, like, I was very fascinated with being in her head, and I really got into it. And I, I actually really enjoyed this book, and I didn't think I was going to. You know, I had a lot of, there were a lot of people that were like, Shirley Jackson, ew! Or like, <laughs> oh no, I can't get into this book. And I was like, oh no, this is going to be hard for me. I felt like a bad reader. I had never heard of her. I, me too. But I, now I'm obsessed. I had heard of The the Haunting on Hill House, yeah. but I didn't know who wrote it. Yeah. I never knew. Um, the House on Haunted uh, Hill? Took notes too, no. which is interesting. No. Is it? Oh. But, uh, well, in the lottery, I'm sure you've heard of that mm. one. What? Uh, yeah. uh, but, what? But uh, being in Mary Cat's head was like, so it was fascinating and I enjoyed it, but also like, and I had to read this sort of in big sections. You read it all in one night. I don't know how you did it because every time I got done with like a stretch of reading, I had to like, I was like, oh no, like I feel like I'm thinking like her now. And I was like, I don't like this. Because uh, I like, you know, hearing her thoughts and, and all that, like it kind of got to me. Okay. I'm so sorry. I know, and then Lucas hasn't said it yet, but I just have to like really quick because I'm going to forget. It, this reminded me so much of Turn of the Screw because it's so, so much is open to interpretation. There are so many of these ifs and maybes and wanderings because like Turn of the Screw, you have this unreliable narrator and I, that's, I, I'm sorry, I'll wait on the rest so Lucas can say his part. <laughs> Am I talking now? Yes, I'm yeah. sorry. Hi, everybody. Lucas, go. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, so I'm, I'm trying to read everybody's comments, and I, I missed a couple of them, but, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, you get through it, and you're like, hmm, did I like it? I don't know, but I, but I guess I was satisfied. Is that a, a good way to put it? So, uh, guilty uh, confession, I did have to listen to the audiobook because I had uh, a lot of work travel recently, so I will say it wasn't as hard for me to get through because I listen to it in one stint on the way to Birmingham to Louisville. But, uh, yeah, fascinating, I guess, character studies? I think that's what I... That's Natalia's like, ooh, that's the word. Ooh. Character study. Yeah, character study. Um, <laughs> she's highlighting something now. But, uh, so but no, I, I don't... I, I'm thinking I'm with some of y'all. It's like, I don't know if I'd read it again. Granted, I didn't read it, but... Um, but I, I enjoyed it, and I appreciated it for what it was. And uh, there are definitely moments that I really did love, and we'll we'll talk about that. But uh, it was it was fascinating. It was not what I was expecting at all. And I was telling Adam, I was like, man, I don't know what if we do this for our Mario Maker <laughs> <laughs> between between this and Vicious, I, I'd have a hard time making some uh, Mario Maker levels. But you know, I, I feel like I was satisfied would i read again i would go back and read parts of it again and i think i had to i had to because there were there were certain things that i we got to a certain point in the book and i was like i need to go back and read like especially you know this famous first paragraph which we can talk about um the, the very opening it's, it's like one of the most famous opening paragraphs of all time in history or said that one article but um yeah um i can just do a little side note here lucas you said 
that you cheated, no, guilty, you're guilty that you listened to the audiobook and that you didn't actually read it. There's nothing wrong with audiobooks. That's right. There's and nothing wrong with audiobooks. It is definitely reading. And I know there's a lot of like. <clears throat> yeah, Melissa said the audiobook is what got me through it, honestly. Yeah, so good for you, are Melissa. It's great. And it's a great way to get like another form of media and get some more reading in. Well, and I think it's in the same way that everyone learns differently, everyone processes information yeah. differently. So honestly, like, I'm a very visual person. So if people are just talking to me, I tend to zone out. <laughs> but other people need to hear the information. So it's just another way of processing books, in yeah. my opinion. Scott has also validated uh, audiobooks. Yeah, and so Scott has read my books. I hold Scott in the <laughs> highest of literary uh, degree. Yeah, so, so nobody ever feel Scott. bad about reading audiobooks or ebooks or however you feel like you need to And read. guess what? It is all about participation, everybody. Yeah. And welcome, if we didn't welcome you already, welcome again. Okay, so I, let's get into it. Yeah, I missed a comment. Someone said something about, and I forgive me, it like scrolled past so fast. Someone made a comment about how they thought, like in the end, it would be like the others, and that they would be like dead the whole time. Like in the end, they would have been dead or something. Mm, so yeah. here is my favorite. I think my favorite thing about this book is it's like an anti-ghost story. To me, there is nothing supernatural or horror really like to me this is a real story and that's what makes it creepy um yeah to me it was i i would reclassify it or to me it felt more like a murder called, mystery it's at a start. gothic mystery a is how it's classified that's... so in that horror genre i get it but there's nothing supernatural about it it's an anti-ghost story and i loved that aspect because yeah real life's way scarier man yeah well and so this is the comment from Katie Dahl. I thought the ending was going to be like the others, where they were really dead all along, especially after Uncle Julian's comment toward the end. And I guess that's where he said in front of Cousin Charles that Mary Cat died in the orphanage. And when he said that, like, I had to think, was was Mary Cat a ghost this whole time? Like, but then it clearly she's not. People talk to her. Cousin Charles was shocked when Uncle Julian said it. And, uh... I guess Charles actually said her name and like talked straight to her a couple of times, but like it really did make me go back to back and think. And I think it would have been really cool if they had all been dead at the end, or <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I think his brain was addled by the arsenic, but it's also like it's very interesting, like in just how he views everything. And to be fair, a version of her did die in that orphanage. Yeah. She has not aged past twelve. I know it starts Mentally. with, she is like, I am an 18-year-old girl. No, this Psycho Kitty is 12, if not younger. She has not mentally <clears throat> and emotionally moved past this yeah. event. She's still a child. Well, in the comments earlier, Vicky Pack said most of their lives were dedicated to stopping time within their world. And, yeah, I think definitely once that dinner party was over, like, I think they just tried to stop time after that for all of them. Or whoever was left, actually. Lisa says, yeah, I think Mary Cat's sanity died in the orphanage. I think you could argue that it maybe was never fully there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seeing as how she did what she did. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget. Family. I forget uh, where the comment was, but someone said they could sum up the book in, with one word, pity. Which I, I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's very There's, I saw one, a big complaint that I saw was... Um, a lot of people thought there weren't any likable characters in this book. I agree with that, but for me that wasn't a problem. I didn't need to have a likable character in order to still be invested in what was happening. This is one of those rare times where, like, 
I didn't emotion. I would did not feel empathy towards like any character. I didn't connect with anyone. I didn't like anyone. Honestly, I hated most of them. I have never. I haven't read anything in a while that has filled me with as much rage as the townspeople mm, yeah. scene, which we don't have to talk about just yet. But as I was reading it, I immediately was like. I was clenching the book. I was full of so much anger. Are you talking about the townspeople at the beginning when she's doing her errands or what, after no, they... No, she's talking about okay. the end. Yeah. Um, so, I, that's interesting that you said that you, you hated most of the people. Because I actually, the the core Blackwoods, Mary Cat, Constance, and Uncle, Uncle Julian, Julian, I liked, I, I didn't, you know, they, were, they weren't unlikable to me. They were dysfunctionally charming. I didn't charming hate them. I hated Charles. Charles was a jerk. Um, hate like the moment like the second page he was introduced I told Lucas walked in the room and I was like I hate Charles but don't tell me any spoilers and then I like went <laughs> back reading that's right you heard it here that uh, spoilers from me ha yeah I mean <laughs> Charles was for all intents and purposes the inciting incident here like their lives were for better or for worse just going along yeah they had their routines Mary Kay had her like set her system and they were happy. At least they thought they were saying they were happy. At least we thought they were because we're getting it through Mary Cat's lens. But uh, and Charles comes along and just really upsets the balance, and that's what sets Mary Cat off into doing all of her mischief, which ends up burning the house down, and uh, and then all everything just of sort it. of resets to um, we're happy now, and then they become some random, some weird urban legend. <laughs> Matt said, really, really love that Charles never got the safe. Hate it for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would have Jonas been so mad if he got character. the money. Oh, I did like the cat. Yeah, the yeah cat was Jonas great. was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he was all about that safe. So I get the safe. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he was stealing everything. Little turd. Speaking of, I think actually on my notes, y'all can't read this from here, but I made character notes for each character, and under Charles, it just says, hate him. <laughs> oh. That was worth writing. Oh, no. You know, this hated. whole story is from Mary Cat's perspective. And I think Scott said earlier that, like, Mary Cat's a really unreliable narrator. And to me, I was wondering, are the townspeople at the beginning as terrible as she says they are? Kind of proved that they were in the fire. But also, what about Cousin Charles? Was he as terrible as she said he was? Yes! But her we're eyes. getting it from her. Yeah, this she... is her perspective. He disrupted her world, so it's, it's... And, like, there was also kind of the implication that possibly him and Constance were going to get married. Up. What was up with that? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I have two paragraphs on this one. Okay. I mean, you know, we're having a conversation. Okay. It's fine. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I just... You should just probably Just breathe. It. Did you... <laughs> I would like to know, can we do a poll? Do you know how to do that? Uh, <laughs> Never mind, don't worry about it. Every, people just comment. It takes forever to get them anyway. Yeah. I saw a lot of people's comments about, I don't even know how to do this, I'm so sorry, about this relationship between Constance and Charles and how there was like a romance. Ghostbusters, Gene, that was Stop. Crazy. <laughs> about how there was like a romantic nice interest there. 
And I am wondering where y'all got that. Like someone, I need someone to actually like well, point it out to me because. When they were at dinner, right before she like causes the fire, he, he keeps trying to say something. And it really sounds like he's about to introduce the fact that they're thinking about getting married. Well, there's a lot of times where he keeps saying things like, Constance and I, Constance and I, you know, Constance and I, and like that, that to me, like, like, I don't, like, I was thinking, like, he's gonna say, like, we've been talking and we're gonna, like, this is weird cousin thing going on. And, yeah, no. no. Yeah, that's weird. No, okay, I completely disagree with this, and here are my reasons why. I wrote them down. So, there, I did not feel that there was any sexual tension or theme whatsoever. First off, Matt's cool. No, yeah. Matt, be thank quiet. You, Matt. Just kidding. I thank you for being a part of the discussion. But hold on. I didn't see that there was any You're sexual attention. Fired up here. Because this is how I feel. Okay. This is not the 1700s. We are in the 1950s. They have cars. They have phones. This is a major town. I mean, you can't still no, get with your cousin. Would you shut your mouth? I'm not done yet. So this is not her romantic interest. This is her shady cousin who is out of money, whose family went broke, and he is trying to insert himself as the new patriarch of this family to get all of the money. But do you so think he, I'm not done yet, oh my God. So, <laughs> all right, this is the Talia show, everybody. Let me just finish. Sit back and relax. I cut to you, it's okay. Hey, no. it's me now, just turn the mic off. So he sees, he steps in and he sees that Constance is the caretaker. She is running the household. This is someone that he needs to have on his side. The only other male there is Julian, who is mentally unstable and no longer there. So he is degrading him and trying to move into a position where he is now taking over. So he needs to have her on his side. Also, just as an outside note, Shirley Jackson is notably known for writing content that has no sexual theme whatsoever, like no sexual content. It's all supposed to be driven forward about non-sexual relationships. I didn't think it was going to be a sexual marriage. No, it like, definitely wasn't no, a sexual marriage. No, that's not romantic. Is, I don't think that Charles is beyond trying to like manipulate, arrange yeah. some sort of legal agreement so that he can be the benefactor of her wealth. Like, so it, real quick though, t uh, talking about Cousin Charles, Thomas Malden said the possibility of Charles being Mary Cat and Constance's half-brother. Like what about that? Because there are numerous mentions of how much he looks like John Blackwood. Also the family has been severed, or the family ties have been deep. severed between Arthur and his brother and Charles <laughs> seems to feel like the father's items should be his. Um, yeah, he's trying to come in as new daddy, which, not daddy. Yeah, but that's a great, I mean, that's I a look, great point. We're not saying, we're not trying to imply that Charles was trying to like sexually hook up with Constance. We're not trying to imply that he was trying to like get her to marry him so that he could be a, have like a legitimate stake in the, you can't. In the wealth. It's illegal. This is the 1950s. This is a prestigious, wealthy family with wealthy, prestigious uh, friends. They're the ones who could get away with yeah. it, actually. You can't marry wealthy families cousin. Stay in the family. That's <laughs> what they do. No. Yeah. No, I, I kind of, I, uh, while I agree with you that it, it wasn't sexual, it was, yeah. it's one of those things where this guy is obviously a manipulator and he sees that there's an opportunity to uh, work in his benefit and that he can to. And she not developed past that point. Um, yeah. Well, and Mary Cat. She has a lot going on. I think, um, we'll see. Are we back? I don't know. 
So Carrie White said, it's easy to forget that she was 18 years old and not a 12 year old. It's as if Constance preserved her from the age of the event. But I don't know how much it has to do with Constance. I feel like Mary Cat kind of controls the whole family. And like even with all of the rules and everything, I'm pretty sure she's the one who made them all. Yes, so I thought that was really interesting because I wondered about all these rules yeah. that she kept talking about all the things that she wasn't allowed to do. And it doesn't, I mean, I saw there were some instances where Constance said that she gave her some things she was allowed to do and was not. But yeah, then at the end, when it's about going into Julian's, Uncle Julian's room, mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm not allowed in there. And Constance's like, it's okay. And she's like, like, no, I'm not like allowed. That. And then she added more rules at the end. There were new things. She wasn't allowed to touch stone. And she wasn't allowed to go to the creek because that was Uncle yes. Julian's place now. Yeah. So these are self-imposed rules. So that, that paired with this supposed witchcraft or her delusional thoughts about being on the moon and Pegasus, Pegasi, Pegasus, all of these things. Peggies. All of these things elude, those types of things, what did I write? Those, when you suffer from a total lack of control, yeah. when you have gone through experiences that are completely outside of your control, she has now built this world where everything is controlled yep. and she controls it all. And that, once again, we've alluded to it before, seems like a, not a symptom. It's a coping mechanism. It's yeah. a coping mechanism from some horrific stress that she has endured. Yeah, so as far as the witchcraft goes and probably some of the other stuff, Leanne Mott said, I think it was more a type of OCD behavior, which yeah, I agree with. And Vicki Pack says, magical thinking shows up in many ways and isn't limited to weird people. Uh, just look at sports enthusiasts. I think Mary Cat's psychological development was stunted by abuse and circumstance, so she reads as younger than her supposed 18 years. Uh, yeah. Uh, Someone said, Mary Cat makes Victor look sane, Carrie White. <laughs> <laughs> I that's think you mean Eli, if we're talking about serious. Uh, they're both pretty they're both crazy. Little, they're both a little insane. But here's, and this may be jumping like way ahead to something, but uh, we want to talk about like unanswered questions. And There's like a lot of Things that we could like <laughs> postulate about. So many. Why did Mary Cat kill her family? That was never answered. So, me. we all talk first about what you think. Oh, uh -oh. I, she's she's. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with some others in the group who have said that there was some form of abuse happening within the family. Um, there are obviously some clear-cut roles that are defined for the men and the women yeah. in this family, but also Julian mentions what kind of man his brother was, that even their son inherited some of these particular characteristics of his. And I don't think it was just Mary. I think Mary and Constance both both suffered mental and emotional trauma at the hands of their family. And Take I, that for what And you I will it to. pause and, and let It's, other it's interesting that talk. there was another sibling that was killed. Yeah. Thomas. But it, it was the male sibling. Yeah. The rules are different for male um, and female. And uh, yeah, she killed them so yeah, like Renee says, she killed them so it was just her and her sister. But um, they never they never like they never talk about why. I think that there was also 
some form of abuse. That's what it sort of added up to be. Like they sounded like a very strict family, and like we have rules, and like you know, Mary Cat's having these daydreams where like everyone's like Queen Mary Cat, Thomas, give her your food because she wants more food. And like you, you tend to think that like if she, this is her daydream about her family and mm -hmm. like the ideal life, it was the exact opposite yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. Like, well, uh, and it was also it implied, if not completely said, that Mary Cat got punished all the time, and mm -hmm. going to bed without dinner was a common occurrence. Yeah, and she, the way she reacted when, yeah, uh, it was like, you know, Cousin he was suggesting Charles that he was it. that uh, I think, yeah, somebody said she was going to be punished, and then she freaked out and was like, "You mean go to bed without dinner?" And then she like ran off and had a tantrum. Yeah. After so does going to bed without dinner also imply that something else bad <coughs> often happened alongside with that? Like, well, and you, you have to think about the time period. What's worse than that? And the state of the state of uh, mental health awareness in the country, and like, there's probably some stuff that they thought was bad behavior, wicked behavior, that was probably undiagnosed, severe, mm -hmm. some sort of mental. Uh, illness already cropping up early and then that you know spun itself and they probably were horrible and who knows how many different ways but I, that's kind of how I took it was that based on the time period and people uh, I mean people go undiagnosed today for mental yeah. illness right but uh, back then uh, you know and, and what I guess we're in the 50s right Yes. Late 50s, Ish. Um, mid 50s. Uh, that's kind of how I read into it. And then with the adding that level of abuse onto an already mentally ill or prone uh, young girl brought that into it. And then uh, we have the dinner. Yeah. yeah, she was a child. And I was talking to another book member earlier today who could not join us this evening. She is tied up with commitments. But she brought up how... This was obviously a very wealthy family, so you can afford to hire a cook yeah. or a maid or any of these things, but they didn't. Constance did everything. Yeah. They made her do it. Well, she was basically like the maid. She was yeah. Like, yeah. That was her like sole purpose. And she she sort of adopted that even after the deaths of all the families. She sort of maintained like the caretaker role. And then Uncle Julian And that's what gives her structure. She needs to have <clears throat> that structure. So Vicki Pack says, Constance said, I never should have reminded you of why they all died. Not how, but why they all died. Mm. And like Talia was saying, I really feel like if Constance didn't have a big role in it, she at least orchestrated it so that Mary Cat, it was really easy for Mary Cat she to do it. it. She, I, she already bought the arsenic. Thank you. And she knew that it was going to happen. Well, she knew why it happened because she immediately cleaned out the, the sugar bowl. And she waited until after her family was dead to call, like, the ambulance or anything. Yes. Thank you so much. I, Constance was a huge part of this in my mind, if not even the one who orchestrated it. What if she's the one who orchestrated it and her poor sister, who's possibly, like you said, already, already suffering in some way, took the fall of actually acting this out? Because, yes, so we knew... She knew that Mary had poisoned the family. She knew while it was happening, she allowed it to happen. Yep. She covered it up by washing the sugar bowl. And then she took She told the police. Not credit, but. They said, she said they deserved to die. And then, your part about how she bought the arsenic. 
Mary has that memory when she's in the summer home talking about how the reason they never go to the summer home is because her mom saw a rat go in and was horrified and said, we're never going there again. So they never went back. So why, if her mother is that horrified by rats, why would Constance buy arsenic for rats in their own home? Why would they be living in a home that had rats? Like, that was a huge disconnect for me. Like, yeah, there's no rats in that home for arsenic. Yeah, Philip says, and Connie knows way too much about poisons and is indoctrinating Mary Gat. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was very quick to like educate other people. Yeah. About uh, that, I will say, my favorite part of the book <clears throat> is is Mary Cat basically trolling people throughout oh, the entire yeah. book, and she knows it. And like, so at first, you know, you you set up the whole story, and she's going through the village, and she's shopping, and you're like, okay, this little girl is obviously scared of something. These people are bad, and she's getting sugar, and they're like, <gasps> sugar, and you're like. Okay, it's just sugar. And then you find out later that, you know, that the poison was in the sugar. And then, like, I love how she's, and I know she's doing it on purpose, where she's basically sitting there all coy during tea or dinner and basically reciting all the um, poisonous flora and fauna and how, how quickly it can kill you. And uh, just nonchalant, just, oh, by the way, I thought you should know. And Charles I was like, like, that's not funny. Charles was like, that's not funny. <laughs> but she knew exactly Oh, she knew exactly what she was, what she was doing. Everything she did was very Troll. calculated. Are offering tea to Mrs. And whoever the, the her name is. And the cakes before yeah. sandwiches and, yeah. Abby makes a good point. I had highlighted it here. Thank you for bringing that up. Maybe Constance felt guilty for not protecting Mary Cat. Um, guilt. Do we want to talk about that? That's a huge oh, theme yeah. in this book. Like, yeah. through to the end. Well, anytime Mary Cat mentions Uncle Julian. Yes. Yeah, maybe I should, I should be, be nicer, nicer to him. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told myself I'd be nicer to him. And also, Constance throughout, like, her sort of arc throughout the book, especially when Charles came and sort of put weird thoughts into her head, it was like, it came out at one point was like I've done you such a disservice and Uncle Julian like you should have boyfriend then she's like oh wait no I'm sorry I love you silly Mary Cat like <laughs> it's silly yeah. having you you boyfriend no. yeah <laughs> your boy can you even imagine what that would be like um so Giggle Vids on YouTube says I was confused by the beginning sentence when Mary Cat says everyone else in my family is dead except Constance and I wondered why Uncle Julian was not included in the exception. I think he was. I think I think Uncle Julian was included in that statement. I think she was she was talking about the now, and then she went backwards. Like I think I think it was framed. I think the, so you the think story it, was framed. The beginning was after Uncle Julian. I think had the died. beginning. Yeah, I think she was talking to us from the present, and then she took us back to the day, the last day she went to the village when the library books went on the table and stayed there. Yeah, because we've talked about it in the. The, we actually did talked about this on the way here because I missed most of the first chapter because it was really hard for me to adjust. But it does say like she looked at the library books that were five months old, or something like that. So like it yeah. definitely and she oh, yeah. picked those up on her the first run through the village that we got to experience with her. Yeah. Dang it! So there was a time hop. Sorry. There was a time hop. But it was <laughs> a really oh. small one. But it was so subtle. Maybe it just like flew flowed into the next. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and a lot of people missed it. I completely missed it. Like this book was Mary Cat telling us the story, so uh, so she started with like, "Hi, this is me. This is who I am now. I could have been a werewolf," and then 
let's all let's take it back to when the library books happened. I'm like this is this is when things. Well, check out what Philip mm -hmm. said, and then Vicky had a response. Julian never does. Uh, and we were no, talking about that too. Yeah. He doesn't ever acknowledge her. And then Vicky said, "I checked. He never does." Well, yeah. well and there's some theories that maybe he is saying that she's dead, or he, he believes she's dead because he knows that it was her fault, and this is his way of like coping with that. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's he was so messed up from the from the poisoning. Yeah, you know, there like, is that too. And talk about these people who like tried to eliminate their family, and then one guy's still hanging on, like. You know, sort of a, a caretaker burden to them, like mm -hmm. a, a constant reminder of what happened. Like that's got to be kind of weird. Um, speaking of Uncle Julian, um, I wanted to bring this up because this was interesting to me because, like, I, I read it and it didn't make sense to me, and then I read the book and then I went back. Whenever Mary Cat goes to the village at the beginning and she's talking to Stella, the way that Stella always asks about the family. So she asks, like, "How are you?" How is Miss Constance Blackwood, and how is how is him, like, how is he like? What about him? Yeah, yeah. Like, they why, never say his name. Why does why, why why him? You would think that if everyone thought that Constance was the one that murdered everybody, it would be and her like the yeah. murderer. But they they referred to Uncle Julian as him, and that I wanted I want to know more about that. Somebody explain that to me. While we're asking y'all to explain stuff, <laughs> I need someone to give me some insight onto the symbolism of the preserves. The preserves? The Blackwood preserves uh, the, in the cellar? The fact yes. that all of the ones that weren't made by Constance aren't good to eat. Well, I assumed that was because they were I thought they, they were, were expired. Yeah, I, I thought, thought they, they were old. They were I mean, old. how, really, how long did preserves why, like, last for? I mean, I don't know. Their this, name, the, the, this legacy of jam. Yeah, I want to like, know some it's more It's like a Blackwood tradition to that goes way way back to have like 1812 <laughs> yeah so she so it's part of like her thing is to like make well, Matt, jam and stash it, it forever Matt, sorry. Matt Scalisi just said Talia I made a comment on this earlier well it scrolled past can you retype it please and now I'm looking for it because now Carrie says their life is preserved I mean it is very non-developmental like yeah. they're gonna just sort of live out the rest of their days just like that like that status quo can never be disrupted and now mm -hmm. now it's weird because they have this like this urban legend surrounding them they are now the ghost story yeah. for the kids to play in the front yard and they're like hee hee that's cool uh, but they never want to show their face um, it's also interesting my mind going on another tangent about Constance's the manifestation of her like insecurity is like I can't leave the house and I can't let people see me even when there's a fire in the house she has to cover her face and like remain hidden um, like her her gaining confidence is like maybe I'll go out into the village today and Mary Cat was chilled and so yeah. it's like that's interesting where I wonder where that comes from like well, I mean she, she was on trial and like I imagine that was pretty public so yeah, so they talk about how, so it seems pretty clear that she now suffers from agoraphobia and also- Shirley Jackson did. Yeah, 
and uh, she writes herself and her children into these books. Super creepy, by the way. But oh, God. Um, that was a happy she, Yeah. No. Um, well, she did say, so these sisters, that's a whole other tangent, but Mary and Constance are very, very, very fictionalized versions of her daughters. She wrote them into this book. Um, and yes, she suffered from agoraphobia, and Constance did as well, and obviously PTSD from this trial. And because, I don't know why I just almost called her Dorothy. Mary, <laughs> Mary Kitty Cat, talks about how during the trial and after, people wanted to come see, come see the murderer. They were this spectacle. They would try and break into their home. They would take things as mementos yeah. from their home. They were stalked and as much in the limelight as one could be in this situation. And so that seems to have just turned them completely inward. And so of course she doesn't want to venture out. People are gonna to try to take a picture of her and it's going to flash her back to this horrific event in their life. So that, that probably leads us to the inevitable conversation of how terrible these people that live in the village are. Yeah. These are some horrible people. These people are crazy. What's going on with them? Like they come and put out the fire at the house and then they're like, yeah. let's trash it. Uh, <sighs> let's tease these people whose house just caught on fire. Yeah. Who are these people? What kind of village is this? Well, I never want to live in that village. I really think you can completely blame that one fireman, the one who like trapped him at, so or Joe trapped Donald her at Solo's bar. Yeah, because he, they put out the fire. He took off his badge, right? And then he. That's, there it is. Sorry, keep talking oh. about me. And then he starts trashing the house. And I think everyone's adrenaline's up because they just watched this like mystical house burn. So let's turn into six-year-old bullies. Yeah, but okay. The Blackwoods and the villagers didn't have the best relationship before the murder either. Because there were, what, the Mary Cat and Constance's mom made their dad put the fence up around the house because she didn't want any of the villagers walking through. There's obviously the issue with uh, Mary Cat's mom and that house that should have been hers. Um, let's see. And then also Mr. Blackwood called the villagers trash at one point. Mm -hmm. so, so there was a huge, like, gap because of their classes basically mm -hmm. but then also yes there's this crazy mob mentality that yeah. took over and all of a sudden the villagers turned into animals yeah. like literal animals yeah and started trashing this home to the point where when i was reading it i thought for a second this book's going in a whole d different direction that i did not expect the house is haunted and now they're all possessed and that's why they're behaving this way because no, like I... what on earth could have made them do this should have just burned it down he's like yeah you're right let's trash the windows and stuff. <laughs> like... it's massive like lillian says it's mass hysteria it's dogs and cats living together there it is, oh, Jean. there it is. There it is. <laughs> You're welcome. Good job. So Jeff said, did anyone get a Grey Gardens vibe from this? And Jeff, Perhaps, yes. Perhaps, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know Grey, so Grey Gardens, uh, it's the relatives of the Kennedys, right? Yes. Jackie, the Onassis. Um, fascinating. And it's kind of around the same time. So uh, we're not going to talk about Grey Gardens, but... They've made story. it. They've made it into a musical. It's fascinating, we and it saw takes. The house when we, we saw Grey Gardens. The, yeah, went up in the Hamptons. We up so did you trash it? Very affluent no, family. Um, but there are multiple similarities. So yes, Jeff, good, good eye. Oh, and Nicole, going back to the fire, the villagers were terrified when they were blocking the girls <laughs> and attacking them. It got scary, and I completely forgot about that. But yeah, like the villagers turned into. Yeah, they were bigger jerks than they are. They were like were. blocking their way and teasing them and reciting that weird poem. Yeah, and like into into their faces, like yeah, your house just burned down. Y'all are trash. Uh, we're the best. And then speaking of guilt, 
then they all decide to like secretly bring them food. Uh-huh. Okay, I think it started as guilt and then it turned into out of fear. Big time. Yeah, it's like please don't kill us with your witchcraft. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Witch ladies in the urban legend. Our kids didn't mean it. Forgive yeah. them. I enjoyed that part too because that's what took me back to this is to this being a real life story. I wrote so it felt like in this end they were showing us how legends come to be. Behind all of these haunted tales and folklore that we hear, there's a real story of real people behind that, and we got a peek at the origin of this one. Um, yeah, because I remember hearing those stories. There's like some trail tra- trail tracks. <laughs> Good Lord. There's the railroad. Like here in Birmingham, where I remember going as a kid, and like all the teenagers were like, you're supposed to like park next to it, and like if you close your eyes and wait or something, then like little ghost kids come leave handprints on your car. Yeah, like you hear all of these things. What is the origin story behind it? This is the origin story of the two witches who live in this burned down haunted castle. Like, but the truth is this is not the story of an evil murdering witch. This is the story of two very human sisters who are emotionally broken. Damaged. I I got kind of pulled out at the end because I was like, okay, I'm mentally viewing this house and it is trashed, but they still have power and running water and I don't know, like that's just, just, and I was like, well, how are they paying their bills? Well, that pulled me out. They might not have power. They don't have a mortgage, they're wealthy. No, but she says they have power, right? Yeah, I think. They have clean water. I know they have clean water and they're able to use the stove, but that could be either gas gas or wood. I still gotta pay their gas bill. Right? They don't have to pay bills. Allegasco comes out. Oh my god. We gotta <laughs> check the meter. And like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't have a phone. You know, like there's no there's no communication. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about logistics, whatever. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they have trash pickup. Like, where does the trash go? Practical brain. Well, but also, who, the, who takes the trash out? How long after <laughs> the the fire did the book go? Because it, the month could have still been up. I mean, there went. I mean, it went a little while, and that was one of my, like, I guess it was a criticism that I had. It was like, the fire incident seemed like a big sort of climactic event of the book. And then I feel like we got kind of a Lord of the Rings 3 ending where it just kind of kept going. And I was like, okay, I get it. Oh, yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I really did think more people were going to die than just Uncle Julian. Like, I thought that there was going to be another poisoning. I thought Charles or... was going to get it for sure. Yeah, and you kind of hoped for it a yeah. little bit. Where's the redemption? Literally everybody that Mary Cat was like, I picture them dead. I want them dead. I'm going to walk on dead. their bodies. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> After that whole villager thing, when they all circled, when I thought they were going to be stoned, and she said that she was going to make them all pay, I thought, oh, she's going to take all the old preserves from the cellar and feed them to the whole village. And Yeah, like, like when I When I was first reading the... Uh, the part where early on you're like oh well that's kind of odd for her to say that she imagines her walking over all these dead bodies in the village okay i thought i thought that this book was going to be a little bit more mystical magical like uh and i thought she was going to kind of have like 11 powers from stranger things and be able to just be like snap Gone. You wanted that to happen. The I know. The reality was so much a good little worse. Girl. And this girl is not. Uh, someone, as far as like how long after the fire, 
it, it has to be a long time because the, the ivy, yeah, goes, or the vines go over the roof and kind of hide a lot of the damage, and I didn't think about that. Lillian says, see the movie. See the movie, guys. We will. We're going to. Yeah. yeah, we I, wanted to I wait until after. Yeah, didn't mm -hmm. want to watch it because I didn't want it to, like, influence my, because then I blur the line. I'm like, did that happen in the book or did that mm -hmm. happen in the movie? And I wanted to make sure I knew what happened in the book. <laughs> but we're going to go, we're going to watch it. So I guess my next question, and this is really for Talia, so if, if y'all caught cooking the book uh, for the Night Circus, what are we going to have? Are we going to have a, a berry tart? No. Arsenic berries? We could do that. I really, I looked up <laughs> Rarebit. Cause I, oh, yeah. What, what is, is Rarebit? Because I thought they it, were mis, they mispronouncing a, it. No, it's a piece of bread, and then it has like a beer, cheese, Worcestershire sauce on top, basically. Oh. And I'd never heard of it, so I looked it up, and I think we should make it because it sounds really good. It sounds like a video game. Should we do that, or company. should we make a berry pie? We can do berry pie for dessert. Ooh. I have to make two things? Shh, it'll be fine. Don't worry, it'll be our last meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, maybe we shouldn't That's do... a joke, not because I'm putting arsenic yes, in it, but because yes. I'm really not a good cook. Boom, Cyclops for the win. Maybe we shouldn't do a dessert. Nothing with sugar. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because I'll, I'll be like Charles, and I'll be like... <laughs> yeah. I love when yeah, he has a pancake, and then he's like, oh, if I just start talking, they won't notice that I'm not eating this pancake. But then they're like... And like, no, Constance calls him out. She's like, are you really not going to eat that? I love how she was like, you ate a full meal last yeah. night and woke up alive this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That was hilarious. And he's like, uh, and she's like, let me tell you about the poisons of the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you five to seven days. I know. <laughs> you won't die until ten days after. Matt said, yeah, make Uncle oh. Julian's liver. I had some questions about their taste in food throughout this book. It was They're the like, 50s. Yeah, but yeah still, I want a nice broiled liver. <laughs> and an egg. And she's like, sure, I got that. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, Melissa says, make the berry pie, Talia. Yeah. So I just... How do you make beer cheese? I'll Google it. It's oh, fine. I can, Chrissy I can do that. Chrissy does beer cheese all the time. <gasps> That's the thing. Yeah. Oh my god, we can... Okay. Awesome. It's awesome. Um, so, okay, question. Did y'all know that Mary Cat was the poisoner? Yes. At the beginning. Well, okay, so I, I suspected it, and then I realized I forgot to read the introduction, and he straight up just says it in the introduction. Oh, and I was like, worst. you jerk. Why would you do that this to me? That is the worst. So, so sorry to everybody who read the introduction, like me, mm -hmm. at least that part of <laughs> in the introduction that would like, because it was like, Constance says it, but we all know Mary Cat's the real culprit. I was like, well, great, yes. I'm done. So I didn't read, thank you for everyone who posted in the group that the introduction had spoilers in it, so I knew not to read it until I was done. Why would you do that? But, yeah, I assumed she was, but then I thought there's gonna, they're She's going to put a twist in there, and Constance will have been the killer. And honestly, I think I was right. I think this was a lovely joint effort of murder. Um, so I don't see Mary as... I think this was... I don't think it was clear-cut that Mary was the murderer. I know it says that in the introduction, but Constance this friggin' is, knew. This is, the, this is the sentence from the introduction. He's... Introducing you to the characters. Sorry, spoiler alert in case you haven't uh, Cat tuning Lockwood. in. It's a little late for that. <laughs> a willful demon prankster, attuned to nature, to the rhythm of the seasons, and to death. And the clear culprit in the unsolved crime of having poisoned all the remaining members of the Blackwood oh, family. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Geek did, did they tell you you were writing the afterwards? <laughs> and then they were like, let's make it the introduction. Hey, we should email that dude. Who is this guy? Jonathan Lethem. Burn. With them? I don't know. I'm gonna Google him. I'm gonna Do find it. his Facebook yeah, page. <laughs> so what? He's an author. He's an author. Is he still alive? Yeah. Does he have a Facebook? <laughs> just a solitude hero. 
Mother of Brooklyn's coming out in a couple of weeks. Does he have a Twitter? What? He did the board. So he should know better. He's an author. Send him a pie. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the last page of all of his books and just post it on his Twitter. Yes. There he is. Troll. This guy. You're up. He would. Wait, I see. He would. You're as bad as the townspeople. I don't know. He just looks like a normal human. I don't get it. But. Um, also, this is our first of two Halloweeny reads. Halloweeny. So, <laughs> how do you think this holds up as a Halloween book, or a book for like October? There was death. There was murder. Hmm. I'm in it. I honestly thought that this was really nice because I feel like, especially in regards to Halloween, everything does tend to go in a supernatural direction, and I thought it was really, really cool to read a very I don't want to say realistic, but realistic <laughs> horror story that, like, yeah, I agree. I think about that the human monster. Like the 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 scary thing to me about this book is that it's possible that I know somebody like this, and I just yeah. don't know it. Like, ew, I know. <laughs> Maybe it's me. That's way scarier. You're not allowed to be in cooking the book anymore. <laughs> I just eat. I just eat the things. But uh, <laughs> as far as being a Halloweeny book, it was gothic. I think gothic kind of fits in the paradigm of Halloween, and it had, you know, some some creepiness. I wouldn't say like it was spooky or like monstrous or scary. Yeah, it was haunting. Uh, it was haunting, and it was, you know, like I was unnerved being in her head, especially like when she, when she got when she went to the dark places. I was like, I'm in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me out. Yeah. Uh, but it was also, like, morbidly fascinating for me. Yeah, it's like an origin of a Halloween story. Oh, so GiggleVid says, I was I was surprised after seeing the cover at how gardeny and sunny and bright colors it was in the mm -hmm. descriptions, but totally felt Halloween-y. And I think that's a really interesting mashup. Well, yeah, she's described as... Oh, <laughs> The intro spoilers were the worst thing since Bailey's email address. Right? Yes, totally unnecessary. <laughs> but yeah, so she talks, she even talks about that though, how Mary Cat sees all the villagers in black and white and shades of gray and like how they're all devoid of color. And she sees her, her sister Constance as this beautiful source of white light and pink and with her glowing yellow, like she sees her as this sunny persona. And the one reason she doesn't totally hate Stella all the time is Stella occasionally wears a pink so bright that it retains some of its color. Um, I want to know what y'all are laughing at. Just a comment. Oh my God. Speaking okay. of her eyesight, you had, Adam had pointed out earlier about, or to me, about the her eyesight with the fire. Oh, yeah, that was. When she set the, when she put the pipe in the trash can and it caught on fire, the, the way she described it was so fascinating to me. She was like, my left eye saw like red and yellow, and mm -hmm. my right eye saw like blue and purple, and like she didn't say what it was, but I was like, that's fire, that's a fire, because <laughs> uh, it said she knocked the still burning cinders from the pipe onto a trash can which was full of newspaper, and I was like, well, there you go. And then she said what she saw, and I, was, I put it together. But I thought the, the way that she described that, I was like, that I like that. I, I applaud that. That's really interesting, because I knew it was fire right away, because obviously she 
noctis still burning pipe into <clears throat> newspapers. Mm -hmm. But I saw it as like she had already turned away from it, and it's like she was looking elsewhere, so she saw it like the fire burning out of the corner of her eye. Yeah. So that's how, but I like that way. It's just, it's just interesting that, I mean, that's, that's how she's described it, was that one eye saw color, certain colors, and the other side saw the other colors. She never straight up said like, I caught on fire. But like, you know, she knows exactly what she did. Um, and just the, what, the, the details that she decides to give you are not the details that I think anybody else would give you in that circumstance. Yeah. I would be like, I knocked the pipe in and I saw the newspaper catch on fire and I walked right back out. Well, <laughs> she also did it with a very specific goal in mind and it was to drive cousin Charles away and she was completely successful. She wasn't, she was trying to drive him away by like erasing him from yeah, the house. Which she was successful. She was very successful. They burned him right out. Like yeah. she had some bizarre burn the house rituals. Down. Like she buried things, mm. she nailed things to trees and like the, and like the, the words and y'all, did y'all already mm -mm. mention it, but like the word, the like safe words that she was the, trying yeah. to come up with and like all these things that she did for herself, uh, the rules that she placed on herself um, and then, like, the actions that she would take, you know, for huh. once she had, like, a sane bit of action where she was like, guys, I, don't, I think I'm just going to go ask Uncle Charles, I know, the cousin Charles, to see if he great. would leave. Mm -hmm. And then she did, and it didn't go well because Charles, yeah. like, threatened her. Um, so Don Mitchell says, so she set the fire for the same reason she poisoned her family, to save her and her sister from her family. Mm. And I kind of love that. Yeah. Yeah, family was bad. Yeah. Except for her and her sister. And she she hated Charles from the moment he appeared in the doorway. Like she, she would have hated anybody. She didn't though. even give him it a chance. It had nothing to do with him. Yeah, but then it did. He was he, still a D bag. I hated it. And him it's too. still from Mary Cat's perspective. So there could be some details we don't have. There's probably many details that well, we don't have. From Charles's perspective, he obviously was about getting the money, but he was also like about like liberating Constance in a weird way, like, even though he was still kind of making her, like, do all the things. But it would be like, they would be like, well, somebody would be like, Constance, can you make me this? And she would be like, no, she can't do that for you. And like... She's too busy. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. She was busy. So he wasn't liberating her. He was making her, instead of doing stuff for other people, he was making her do stuff for him. She was still the servant of the family. Did what was she doing for him? Did make me that he was eating all the time. Did did he encourage her to leave the house and go to town? He did. I, okay. Yeah, to go to the city and go shopping. And oh stuff. right, yeah. So I mean, there might have been some real like trying to help push her out of like this this cage that she's in. But did he yeah. want her out so that he could snoop through the house and take all the things? I don't think so because she would have let him anyways. It's Mary Cat that would have stopped him. Well, they didn't care about the money. Like the money was so inconsequential to she them. She freaking buried it. It was like. Yeah, money, you know, yeah. they didn't care. So Vicky Pack says Charles wasn't liberating Constance. He just wanted her to serve only him. Yeah, which I explains why that. he wanted Uncle Julian and Mary Cat out to leave leave them alone. Mm -hmm. But he is it all is it all just in service of like getting their money because he was all about he he got so upset over that watch. He yeah. Like, why would she nail the watch to a tree? Oh my God! Like it's bent, but he still wore it. He still wore the band. Um, and then, like, there was somebody that commented yeah, before about, about the scarf. Like, I could have worn your dead dad's scarf. Yeah. Like, he wanted all that stuff. That lifestyle. Yeah, Charles was a jerk. 
I'm trying <laughs> to say bad words. He sucked butt. He was the worst. Oh, I thought you were going to, like, I was like, is that a comment? About him? Oh, no. <laughs> he, he sucked just, butt. He was, no. Period. He just was awful. So David Stein says he was a pauper. He didn't have any money. He was after the family's old money. And yeah, that's definitely the perspective that we got. And it, but it's interesting though, like what his story was prior to his arrival, and that he could only he went there be, like after his dad died. And it seemed like right after. Like immediately. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that at least Uncle Julian sort of in un, his unreliable way about like their side of the family, and we're like those guys are jerks. They like completely ignored us after the trot when after that, all that happened and like well they wanted to completely cut ties yeah and then he's like and so charles i guess was like they have money and i don't and i need to go get that money because they're weird yeah they're family also to argue against me actually against yourself yeah well no <laughs> listen mary cat doesn't care about money at all so i think that like it wouldn't she wouldn't be making that up about him saying that he's like obsessed with the safe because I don't think she has the capacity to care at all or understand that that he does. Yeah, Meredith says when he was mad because of the silver dollars and said the money wasn't Mary Catherine's to bury, that bugged me a lot because <laughs> I was like, it's not yours either, you turd. Like, <laughs> it is hers. It's her family's. But he, because he is the man of the family, he's like, of course, no. It's not going to belong to the girl. Yeah. It's mine. It should be rightfully mine because I'm the man of this family. <laughs> Sorry. You just make me mad. Right? What a jerk. Right? All right. Well, it's, it's Final thought. Hit the hour here. If it's something we haven't discussed, throw it on out there, and we're going to try and read it really quickly. Yes, Leanne says he felt entitled to it because he was the last male Blackwood. Because he didn't see Julian as Julian wasn't like really all there. Um. <laughs> Nicole is very impressed by all of our clean language. Thank you, Nicole. We're trying we really hard. Practiced. Very difficult. <laughs> very difficult. And, you know, we're, we're in public. Kristen says, What is the meaning of life? 42. Jennifer says, Anyone care to talk about Helen and Jim Clark? They seemed like good people. They did. Yeah. They were redeemable. Like, they really did want to help. Although I thought it was really weird how then he came back later with the doctor and they were like, you know, shame on you for not asking for help. And I was like, what? There were a lot of That's bizarre tactics <laughs> that they used to try to get them out of the house. Yeah. It was like begging, like, please come in. And it was like reprimanding them for doing it. It's like, please. Hey, you're being bad. Like, it's shame on you. The same it's with like, the villagers. It's this weird flip-flop of aggression and guilt. It's like, interesting. Back and forth. It's interesting that um, the way that the villagers are portrayed through the eyes of Mary Cat because they are extremely one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. like, like she said, some of them don't have faces. Yeah, like they, and and that comes across in the way the the book is told. Like I see like these like very like cardboard cutouty people like villagers. Like here's the person who runs the coffee shop, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we're doing this, okay. what that means. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, well, final okay. thoughts. We have always lived in the castle. Heard sociopathic view. What a fascinating book. It is, the more we talk about it, the more it's something that 
I could go back and read read more of just just to study it more. I'm not probably not going to because we got to read another <laughs> book uh, in October. Two books in one month. It's wow. still frustrating though, because the thing is, we're never gonna You'll we're never, never gonna get the answers. Yeah, yeah. Shirley Jackson's dead. <clears throat> Can't ask her about it. But like the story is so ambiguous into itself. Like you're just <clears throat> all you can she do did it is on postulate, purpose, like because, over and over and over again. Because we're still talking about it. See? What are you pointing at? She's living on. Oh. <laughs> she's living on through us. We're still talking about it. She, that's why she did it. She had just given us all the answers. We'd be like, okay, cool, done. But no, we're yeah. having a discussion. It's a 140-page book full of discussion. Thank you, Shirley Jackson. Yeah. This has been and nice. And thank you to whoever recommended this in our yeah. discussion about October books. Because this was not on my radar, and I don't think I would have ever picked it up. But I ended up really, really enjoying it, and I'm really glad we read it. I would have never read this otherwise, yeah. which is one of my very favorite things about this book club. <laughs> and speaking of things that we're going to read, um, the video will come out later this week. But for all of y'all that are doing this now, the November book, what won the poll, is Stephen King's The Eye of the Dragon. Eyes. Plural. Eyes of the Dragon. <laughs> she has read it. You've well, read this before. On the book cover, he only has one. He's looking, so. he's a profile picture. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the formal announcement about that will come out on Friday, but I I checked all the thingies off my list. I don't have anything else I didn't to even say. make a list. Yeah. Good job, guys. I'm just here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Eyes of the Dragon for November. But for October, we still have Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire, which should be uh, a bit of a departure from We've Always Lived in the Castle. Uh, what? Three weeks. Three weeks from now. Yeah. Um, so you have three weeks to read this book. It's not super long. Um, Y'all have read, read half of The Night Circus in two weeks, which is almost as long as Interview with the Vampire. So yes. I don't want to hear it. We believe uh, in you. You can do it. And listen, uh, just to reiterate, um, you know, we had a lot of polarization on this book. It was There was a lot of spirited discussion in the group, which is great. Um, you know, and again, we don't pick these books. Y'all do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's what you voted for. A lol Cyclops shirt. That's not funny. It's real serious. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh. But anyway, uh, we, we appreciate the spirited discussion. Um, Keep it civil. Remember, you don't have to like every book to be a part of this book club. Uh, we've shown that. Um, we, we pick, Within ourselves. We, <laughs> we picked the majority. Whatever wins, wins, even if I didn't vote for it, uh, which happened in November. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, hey, I'm looking forward to Stephen King. I've read it once before, and I'll read it again, but after I read Interview with the Vampire. Yep. Yes. And on that note, we want to remind you to stay in touch with everything that we're doing. We are on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. And we also have a Facebook group where we have more in-depth conversations like all of the stuff that we've been talking about in this book. And that is called the Literarily Wasted Lounge. We also want to thank you to second, thank you to, yep, all the wives <laughs> gone. Thank you to Second and Charles for letting us drink and talk about books in your store and also for giving all of our book club members 20% off of the book of the month. Um, that will apply even if you didn't read this book. You can still get it and read it later this month and you'll still get 20% off. You'll get 20% off of this one. You'll get 20% off of Interview with the Vampire, which I don't have with me. And then next month you get 20% off of this one. So buy all the books, read all the books, find us on the internet and talk to us about them. Because that's what we like to do. I'm done. I'm done. Thanks, everybody. Done? Yep, thanks. Bye, everybody. Y'all have a great night. Let's see you on three weeks.